You're listening to the Anthony Mercurio Performance Podcast, a show dedicated to breaking down elite sports performance and fitness. My name is Anthony Mercurio, and I've worked with thousands of athletes over the last 15 years of strength and conditioning. And if you're looking for ways to improve your speed, jumping ability, or just overall athleticism, then this is the show for you. Let's get after it. And welcome back to another episode of the Anthony Mercurio Performance Podcast. We are up to episode number 35. And if you have been following along, this one is a few weeks late as I took a little unintended hiatus from creating some content and doing some things. Uh, had a little family emergency in there uh, that took up some time and wasn't able to do some of the things that I wanted to do. So here we are um, a couple weeks late and I have some interesting things that have kind of been developing over the last couple of weeks, because I've also started coaching high school football again. And in coaching, you know, it's always interesting when you coach a sport team versus just working with athletes and strength and conditioning. And many of these athletes, they're, you know, our inner city school where I went to high school and many of them, I would say the majority, the vast majority, probably nine out of 10 athletes do nothing in the off season. They don't train, they don't lift, they don't run, they don't prepare for the season. And then when the season starts, there's all these bumps, bruises, muscle strains and pulls that because they are trying to do something that their body is not used to, it's just the natural response of your body to kind of start to break down. So we've been running into issues with, you know, hamstrings, groins, quads, different things like that. And then you add the the normal bumps and bruises from football, right? Shoulders, elbows, forearms, wrists, those sorts of things that kind of get normally kind of thrown into the equation when you start making physical contact with another person. And one of the things that I, I always kind of go back to is, you know, the off-season tra- like training in general, right? Many of these athletes don't ever sprint or run full speed. You know, we have a few athletes who are, who are tremendous athletes, but they, they don't train in a way that allows them to maximize their athletic ability. And then we have some athletes who are really good runners, you know, straight ahead, but then they can't backpedal, they can't flip their hips, they can't turn and change direction and all that kind of stuff. And then as we know, in most field and court sports, uh, running straight is is not very useful. I mean, when you need to a few times in a game or a few scenarios when maybe you break out into a run and you have to ch- run for a touchdown in football or you're breaking out to go chase a ball in soccer, but still that's not 100% straight usually. There is some kind of curve linear fashion to it, uh, many athletes struggle. So the athletes who are the fastest, you know, 40 or the fastest track athletes aren't necessarily the best or fastest field athletes because there's a lot more that goes into it. One example is on kickoff for, uh, if you know about football and kickoff, we have, they run down the field. And back when I used to play college football, you'd get like a 10 yard running head start. And in college, the gentleman who used to make it down first every time was not the fastest. He might have been, you know, in the middle of the pack speed, uh, but he wasn't the fastest person on that particular kickoff team. He wasn't the fastest person on the team in general, but yet he was always the first one down the field. So he was able to navigate. He had more desire and things like that that allowed him to get down the field first versus some of the other athletes. So sometimes being fast on the field isn't always about, you know, actual 
genetic potential or speed at all, but yet a desire and effort and the ability to kind of navigate and see things in space to be able to change direction or move around things or different things like that. So you have to be able to move and do things on the fly. For us, when we're talking about training, we try to do some of these things as much as we can in training to allow athletes the opportunity to experience this. Because if you don't play your game and football is one of those sports that you can't really play year round like basketball or soccer sometimes now. So you don't get the exposure of the actual gameplay and the specific movements that you need or the specific things you have to see uh, to get through stuff as you would some of the other sports. So how do we then carry that stuff over into the training facility? Yes, I can work plyometrics. Yes, I can work change of direction drills, but again, they're not going to be as specific to an athlete, let's say a linebacker or a running back who has to, you know, run, read on the fly, and then be able to have some sort of reactive agility to be able to, you know, avoid a tackler or to avoid a blocker and then go make a tackle. So the, the term reactive agility is exactly what we try to do with our athletes. So we try to give them in situations where they then have to react to scenarios and this is kind of like the later parts of our agility and speed training. Initially, uh, on Instagram at least, I've, I've talked about how we want to make sure that athletes understand movements and where they fit in, you know, how to change direction, how to cross over run, how to do some of these things to build up their kind of movement toolbox. And then as we get later in the summer, after we've already kind of exposed them to a, a variety of different skills that they have to learn, then we kind of put them in some scenarios, some game-like scenarios or some different things where you have to read and react. And the reactive agility part has the most carryover to athletic performance. And a simple, re a simple reactive agility drill is like a, like a Y drill, kind of. So you set up some cones in, the, in like a letter Y. The, the coach stands kind of in the middle of that, you know, the two, like the V part of the Y. An athlete will run the bottom straight part and then a coach can point to either direction and then at the point at that particular spot, they can run to the, the right side of the Y or the left side of the Y. And that's one of the more simplistic reactive agility drills. It doesn't require a lot of equipment or a lot of space or a lot of like fancy coaching. They just run to the spot and then go right or left. And that's a way to do that. And you want to do it based off of uh, things that athletes will see. I know a lot of times coaches will do reactive stuff based off of sound, you know, whether a go signal, a whistle, things like that, which is fine, but most sports are not played off of sound. You know, I've, I've seen coaches tell, you know, do like chaotic agility training where they're like up, down, left, right, spin, do this, do that, do that. And they're telling athletes verbally how to do stuff. And yes, it works as a reactive kind of component, but athletes don't react off of sound in football. They don't react off of sound in soccer. They use their vision to react. So in the same sense, we want to do those reactive agility drills, but we also want to do the reactive agility drills in a way that athletes have to use their eyes to be able to do it because their eyes are going to tell them what to do, how to react and do all that kind of stuff versus the sounds are minimal at best. Um, that's my two cents for today. It's a real short one. I just wanted to get back on the horse in terms of getting some content out and just talking a little bit about sports performance again and again, building the habit to getting some information out to you. And one of the, the, the takeaways here is that, you know, you can't just go into a season without any training. 
Um, I mean, well, I mean, I shouldn't say you can't, well, you can, but just know that you're not going to be able to maximize your performance and you're opening yourself up for more potential injury. And second, if you want to be faster on the field, then you have to kind of work on some specifics that will allow you to train those reactive agility components, or those reactive speed components visually to allow us to have some carryover onto the field and performance. Later. Hello, all my lovely listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A friendly reminder to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast by giving me some love on your app of choice. You're helping me get the word out to as many people as humanly possible. What that means is that I can invest more time and energy into creating the best podcast for you that revolves around sports performance and human ability. Thanks again for your support, and we'll catch you next time.